Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed. I am delighted to be here with you. I got to tell you that we had to run a couple of encores because Marie got laryngitis so bad. Uh, (laughs) I'm still a little bit flaky here tonight, but uh, I think you can hear me okay. And I'm about to tell you about 10 tips for how to initiate and continue breastfeeding even if you have had a cesarean. Now, I just want to let you know that three years ago, I did a program on cesareans, and I listened to it actually just before I started tonight's show, and I said, wow, this is kind of interesting. I left the five tips until the very last segment and how good that I recognized this time that I really wanted to just handle the tips. All right. So three years ago, I gave five tips. Tonight, I'm going to give 10 tips. Now, I got to tell you, it's always a little bit spooky to tell the audience that you're going to give them 10 tips because then you got to figure out if you're going to be able to talk fast enough to do all that. But anyway, yes, I'm going to give you 10 tips. And wait till I tell you what, because first of all, you should be asking yourself, so Marie, is it, yeah, you could ask me, but you could ask yourself, is it really different breastfeeding after a cesarean compared to breastfeeding after a vaginal delivery? And the absolute, the answer is absolutely, unquestionably, no doubt about it. It's a different set of circumstances. Uh, I noticed that three years ago, I talked about the microbiome, although I probably didn't use that word. But those of you who have been listening uh, the last, yeah, I don't know, three or four months or so, we had a guest who talked about the microbiome. I also talked about biological nurturing three years ago, and we just had Suzanne Colson come last month and talk about the biological nurturing. So as you can see, each of these shows probably, or each of these points could probably be a whole show, and some of them have become a whole show. But yeah, it absolutely is very different. You've got issues to deal with, with cesareans that you just didn't have to deal with, with a vaginal delivery. So if you want me to go into all of that, please see an earlier show where I really talked about, I talked a lot about those differences. So then, I just promised I would give you 10 tips if you had the cesarean. Will I tell you what my very first one is? Uh, Yep. First thing, first tip is take some steps to avoid a cesarean. Now look at, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh yeah, but it would just be surgery and they'll just take the baby out and... You know, I won't have to labor and all of that. It's a little more complicated than that. Now, trust me on this. 
I have been involved in multiple, 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 hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of cases either in the operating room with somebody who's having the cesarean or somebody that I'm recovering in the first hour or so or somebody that I'm taking care of in like during the shift when they come back up to the uh, the postpartum floor or people that I've taken care of a week or a month or whatever later, I know what I'm talking about here. It's a way different experience. So my number one uh, tip for you is, first of all, avoid it if you can. And the first thing that I would suggest you do along those lines is find a care provider who has a low cesarean rate. Now, look, this is going to get a little bit tricky because... You might choose a provider who doesn't do cesareans in the first place, all right? If you are a low-risk mother, you can cheerfully and confidently and with my good blessings hire a midwife or a family practice physician to manage your pregnancy. Those people are not authorized to perform cesarean deliveries, okay? But there's nothing wrong with their care. As a matter of fact, I would say they're Pregnancy care is superb. Uh, They are, I don't know all the ins and outs to this, to all of the states, but uh, many of them I know are licensed to do a vaginal delivery. They just choose not to. But unless they are an obstetrician, to my knowledge, none of those other people have privileges to do a cesarean. So, one of the things is that when you're not licensed to do that, you tend to really pull out all the stops to help the mother to work with her own body. So I'm a big proponent of midwives, family practice doctors, and others who actually don't do surgery at all. But if you choose to get prenatal care from an obstetrician, don't be shy. Ask about his or her cesarean rate. Now, just to give you some perspective, the national average for cesareans has been hovering around 32% for the last three or four years, maybe a little bit beyond that. And by the way, it's higher in some states. For example, if you live in Alabama, you have a more than 40% cesarean rate in your state. So for those of you who are saying, oh, you know what, Maria, it's never going to happen to me anyway. I don't have to plan ahead. Oh, yeah, you do. You got to plan ahead because one out of three women are having cesareans these days and sometimes higher. Now, sometimes lower. Okay, there are states that have lower cesarean section rates, too. Boy, I'm tempted to tell you what those states are, but I haven't looked that up in a while. But I know that they're out there. So there is there is no way for me to get around telling you what I know to be the truth. All obstetricians, all doctors, all human beings, accountants, engineers, whoever, have a different philosophy about how to go about something. And there are obstetricians who have a higher cesarean rate and there are obstetricians that have a lower cesarean section rate. Just the same as there are pediatricians who have a higher breastfeeding rate among their babies 
and a lower breastfeeding rate among their babies. It's just the way it is. So you want to pick somebody that kind of knows how to get around this. All right. The second big thing that I'm going to say about how to avoid a cesarean. Oh, you must get so tired of hearing me say this on the show, but it's so true. Hire a labor doula. This is hugely important. The amount of research that there is behind this is just phenomenal. Now, the earliest that I'm aware of goes back to, I don't want to be showing my age here too much, but uh, I'm thinking that Kennel or Kennel and Kloss, I never can remember if it's Kennel by himself or Kennel and Kloss, but they did studies as early as the early 70s. And what they showed was that actually women who have knowledgeable, skilled support, now, by the way, that's not just a partner or a friend who's a nice person and, and is, you know, helper, but, but rather somebody that is knowledgeable and skilled at supporting during labor absolutely impacts the cesarean rate. Now, I want to tell you that there have been a number of studies since then that have shown the same thing. The one that is probably the most compelling is, uh, well, actually... One that was compelling was another one by Kennel, and that was in 1991. Now, he looked at 412 women, and he showed that continuous doula support reduced the risk of cesarean 8% compared to those who didn't have the doula, which was 18%. But it also reduced the possibility of forceps delivery, epidural anesthesia for vaginal births, use of oxytocin, duration of labor, blah, blah, blah. There's so much to this. But anyway, I started to say that the one that's really compelling is the Cochrane Review. The Cochrane Review's, uh, I guess the easiest way to explain it would be they're a study of studies. And that they, they showed that women who had continuous support in labor were more likely to have a spontaneous birth less likely to have a cesarean or an assisted delivery. They had shorter labors, less use of epidural uh, anesthesia and other medications, and basically just a better labor. Now, that's pretty compelling, okay, especially since they looked at pretty much a study of studies. So, Doula support is hugely important. I know the next thing you're thinking, you're saying, oh, yeah, but Marie, don't you think like just my partner can do the job? No, I don't really think that. I've worked a lot of nights and I understand what it's like. Women get into labor, their partner, no matter how devoted he or she might be, falls asleep at 2 o'clock, 2.30, which is frankly what the rest of us would like to be doing, all right? And they don't necessarily have all the skills that a doula would have. So there's just no simple way for me to tell you, look at a cesarean is an intervention. It is major league uh, surgery, It's major abdominal surgery. You are not going to feel the same way. It also messes with things like how your oxytocin spurts out, as well as the microbiome and a whole bunch of other things. So don't discard this. Now, when we come back, I'm going to talk a little bit more about being in control of your own body, and then I'm going to talk about those other nine tips. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. 
life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. Tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. Thank you so much for listening to Born to be Breastfed. And I, I just, I can't thank you enough for just being there because without an audience, I don't have a show. Thank you for your participation and for supporting me. I have been uh, enjoying doing the show now. I don't know how many episodes we're up to, but I think we're like more than 150 shows or something. So without your support, I couldn't have done all that. Thank you so much for being there for me. All right. So the next thing I'm going to give you about how to prevent the cesarean is basically be in control of your own body. Make sure you ask a lot of questions about any type of intervention that's being offered to you, whether it's a Pitocin augmentation or whether it is an epidural or whatever it is. Uh, Let me tell you, in all the years that I worked on a labor floor, Basically, what I found was that intervention begat intervention. As soon as we start doing stuff to people, we start doing more stuff to people, and it really does make a difference. So, for instance, with an epidural, sure, you don't feel the pain, but you also don't feel yourself being able to push. And so sometimes women are not able to push effectively, so yeah, they end up with a section. 
Uh, here's another one. Make sure you take a good, underline good, childbirth education class because it really can be the difference between whether you have or don't have a cesarean. And if you're going to have the epidural, at least delay it, okay? Don't go in at two centimeters dilated and request it because I could just talk about this forever and ever, but we don't have compelling research to show that epidurals affect babies and their breastfeeding. But I will just tell you, I've seen it a lot of times. So you should say to me, well, Marie, what nurse's observations do not a study make? That's true. But one nurse's observation over many years is probably worth listening to. You know, the other thing I would say to you is stay home until you're in good active labor. And honestly, if you've had a good course, a good childbirth ed course, you're probably going to know that. Sure, sometimes people make, uh, you know, they kind of goof it up, but uh, most times they get it right. So those would be some of my better tips. And by the way, get exercise too. I'm not really sure about the research for that, but I can just tell you that having labored hundreds of women, the ones that are in the better shape and do exercise on a routine basis are generally the ones that end up being able to push out their own babies. All right, so that's tip number one is just basically avoid getting your section in the first place for all of the reasons that I talked about on that previous show three years ago. All right, number two. Your job is to feed the baby. So tip number two is actively seek and delegate household help. Now, this gets a little bit tricky because when people come to help, what do they want to do? They want to take care of the baby. No, no, no. You got to have that conversation ahead of time. Your job is to take care of the baby, and you are the only one who can feed the baby, which, by the way, is one of the great beauties of breastfeeding because... You're the only one that can breastfeed the baby, all right? Nobody else can can do that. But look at what you can delegate. First of all, what can you delegate? And I would say simple household tasks, things like laundry, dusting, vacuuming, any of that kind of stuff, just ask somebody else for help. Uh, Help with smaller children. If you have smaller children, they can be entertained. They can be uh, chauffeured from one place to the other. They've got Cub Scouts or whatever. Absolutely get other people to do that because remember, you're not going to be able to drive for a substantial period, depends on what your doctor says, after your cesarean. Your job is to breastfeed the baby. Now, you say to me, okay, great, Marie, that's really great, but like, who can I delegate all this stuff to? Well, I want you to resist the urge to delegating everything to husbands and partners because honestly, you know, they need to have a break too. (laughs) If they have been even slightly supportive of your nine-month pregnancy, they're kind of worn out and need, need to not be on the hot seat for doing the laundry and washing the dishes, all right? So look to friends, relatives, uh, as well as others. Now, I talked about a labor doula earlier. Another thing that you should strongly consider is a postpartum doula. Now, 
just a little preview for you here. I'm going to be doing a show with a guest who is going to talk about not only postpartum doulas, but also, ready for this, a night nanny. I, I, I was astonished. I was thinking, holy moly, I didn't even know they had nannies who would just sit with newborns at night, but they do. Uh, I'm sure they don't have them in all cities, but definitely explore these possibilities. Now, here's another one. How about a diaper service? I know that a lot of people like paper diapers. I am not a fan of paper diapers for a number of reasons, but if you want to use them, that's fine. But if you really, really, really want to use for whatever reason, for uh, you feel it's best on your baby's butt or you want to save trees or you object to chemicals or whatever your rationale is for using uh, cloth diapers, uh, that's a lot of work. So really, truly consider a diaper service. They're not terribly expensive. And even if you have it just for the first month, that would take an awful lot of responsibility away from you. All right. So tip number one, try to avoid this section in the first place. Number two, actively seek and delegate household help for these sort of routine tasks. Number three, here's your number three minimize tasks that for whatever reason cannot be delegated. Uh, it doesn't matter why you can't. You don't, you don't have a friend or a relative or you can't afford it or you have some special circumstance or whatever. So what else can you do? And I cannot emphasize this to you enough. Your job is to breastfeed the baby and you are the only person who can breastfeed the baby. So I kind of go back to what are some real survival things here? And it always seems to me like meals is a big deal. So if you plan ahead while you're pregnant, you could just make double meals every time that you make a meal. I mean, not not the whole nine months, but you know what I mean. And then put some of those in the freezer. Here's another one. Keep your ear out for local groups that do meals for new mothers. It might be your church group. It might be military families. Uh, Military families often will bring meals to other military families if they know that the mother has just had a baby. That would be terrific. Don't be shy when people say, oh, we didn't know what to get the baby, especially if this is like your fourth baby. Don't be shy to say, you know, the baby's got everything she needs. What I would really love is a gift certificate to a restaurant so I didn't have to cook one of these nights. That would be terrific. And I would say if you get that, uh, try to steer towards the ones that have a good takeout service. Or not, not, I don't mean just takeout. I mean, I do mean takeout, but, but drive through. Like, for instance, uh, well, Ruby Tuesday is not really drive through, but they definitely have, at least where I live, they have a little back door where you can kind of just zip right in there and zip right out. Uh, Red Lobster, uh, Outback Steakhouse, Outback Steakhouse has the little back door. I don't know about the Ruby Tuesday, I misspoke. Uh, Longhorn, uh, I don't love Longhorn, but I love the fact that they've got 600 calorie meals, which when I'm trying to watch my weight, that's a good thing. Or how about using one of those services that deliver groceries to your home? Now, in my neighborhood, we have several grocery stores that actually do that. And one of them I know is only $5. And you do have to pick it up. They don't deliver it to your house. But they have it all ready to go and they load it in your car. 
if you've got a tiny baby, and oh, by the way, <laughs> you're not going to be the one picking it up because you've got to send hubby to do that because you still can't drive, but at least you don't have to go and run through the store getting groceries. All right, so that's the third tip, which is see if you can't delegate something, then what can you do to, uh, I guess, sort of farm out those tasks in a different way? All right, next one, be prepared for separation. Now, don't freak out too much. I'm not telling you that separation will happen, but I am telling you that very often the reason that you've had the cesarean delivery in the first place is that the, there was a problem. You had uh, maybe a placenta previa or maybe you had uh, a baby in distress or maybe you had a preterm baby or maybe you had a baby that had some really serious problem where he remained in the NICU and so you went home. And then there's other stuff, too. Honestly, there are mothers who get readmitted to the hospital. They might get readmitted for, uh, oh, dear, it doesn't happen very often, but certainly it can happen for uh, infections. Babies can get readmitted for uh, dehydration or, or worse. There's all sorts of reasons why either the mother or the baby can be readmitted to the hospital and then they're separated. I'm not saying that this always goes with cesarean. I'm saying a lot of the times there's a lot of stuff going on, and even if all came out well in the hospital, shucks, this can happen even for a vaginal delivery. Remember that if one of you gets separated from the other one of you, that is a problem. So be prepared. And what do I mean by be prepared? I mean, make sure you've got the relatives or somebody lined up to take care of the littler kids or whatever. But most importantly, make sure that you have a plan for how you are going to keep up your milk supply. Now, if the baby is just going into the hospital for a few hours, which is unlikely, but I suppose, you know, emergency room or something, that's one thing. But if they're going to be there for several hours, you need to make sure that you have a plan, and maybe a professional to help you maintain your milk supply. Trust me, I've heard all sorts of stories uh, from people who have uh, have not been able to resolve their problem. They get readmitted for uh, oh, IV antibiotics or whatever. And, and so that separation in and of itself, it, you know, it's not the end of the world, but it is a speed bump. Make sure you protect your milk supply. All right, then, when we come back, that's um, so I gave you three or four tips. When we come back, I will be talking about promoting your own rest and healing, which is hugely important if you have just had major abdominal surgery. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Relationship issues? Anxious? Parenting challenges? No more. Learn how to live your best life. 
tune into Straight Talk with top psychotherapist, relationship, and anxiety expert, Sandra Reich. In this program, you'll learn how to transform your challenges into effective solutions, whether it's relationships, parenting, anxiety issues, or other life traps that you struggle with. Sandra will show you how to change them and how to live the life of your dreams. Listen every Thursday afternoon at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Was your breastfeeding experience stressful or challenging? Did you face an unusual obstacle and go on to meet your goals? If so, we'd like to hear from you, and so would other mothers. Email radio at borntobebreastfed.com to see if you can be Marie's next guest. Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. Thank you so much for joining me today on Born to be Breastfed, where every Monday we bust the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding and beyond. All righty. So in the last segment, I was talking about being prepared for separation. You know, really hope it doesn't happen, but just have a plan in your back pocket just in case it does. I want to talk about promoting your own rest and healing. This is really kind of a bigger deal than most people think it is. And let me explain why. I've just seen so many moms that they get through with their cesarean. The first day is like awful. And the next day they don't feel too bad. And, you know, maybe they do a little bit more than they should or they have more visitors than they should. And then they get tired out and they don't get a nap. And by day three, they're kind of done in. So my experience is that people tend to overdo it. And we all do that, right? We say, oh, I feel pretty good, you know. And so they become overexerted. And honestly, fatigue is not good for your psyche, your body, your milk supply, or anything else. I am not aware of any study that has ever shown an exact relationship between fatigue and low milk supply. 
But I can just tell you from a clinical standpoint, sometimes those things do go hand in hand. So, like, just cool it. All right? This is major abdominal surgery. Do not lift anything heavier than the baby. And by the way, um, I don't know where I put this in. I'm just kind of looking at some bullet points here, which is pretty much all I ever use for the show. But I don't see a bullet point uh, talking about milk supply. For a mother who has had a cesarean, and there's there's like all this literature on this is so confusing because sometimes the study says, no, the mother has just as much milk after the cesarean. Well, yes, she Yes, she does. No, she doesn't. Read one study. It says yes. Read another one. It says no. But actually, when you look at all of those studies, and I'm not going to tell you I've looked at all of them, but I've looked at a heck of a lot of them. If you read very carefully, you will see that there's a big like thing that's bigger than just the cesarean. And that is, did the baby get to the breast early and often? With a vaginal delivery, quite honestly, the baby is more likely to be at the breast early and often. With cesarean, eh, mother is tired, mother is conked out, mother is whatever. Uh, That early and often part does not happen as well. The other thing you should look at is they have really done uh, uh, some good studies now that show that there's a difference between whether you have labored and had a cesarean or if you have just had the cesarean electively, that is, you haven't labored at all, that uh, it is more likely to affect your milk supply if you have not labored. However, I want to emphasize that this is just a little speed bump, okay? It's not a, uh, it, it's not a major obstacle. It is a little speed bump. By the end of the week, six or seven days whether you've had a cesarean, whether you've labored, whether you've anything else, it doesn't matter. By the end of the week, mothers all have about the same amount of milk, regardless of what their uh, mode of delivery was. I can't believe I didn't uh, remember to put that on my uh, dot points here. But anyway, it's hugely important. All right. So, uh, don't lift anything heavier than the baby. Uh, I did say that. Okay. But here's another thing. Uh, pajamas. When you get home, this is one of like my like favorite little tricks. If you answer the door in your pajamas, you will be astonished that people say, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to wake you. Oh, I know you need your rest. Oh, blah, 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 blah. And sometimes they either just go away or they might come in and stay for a little bit. But even if they do, and if you're tired, you absolutely can pull the pajama part of the card, all right? I am a big proponent of the fact that when mothers do not get enough rest and when they try to entertain, quote-unquote, they're not able to do what is the job that only they can do, which is to breastfeed the baby, all right? Okay, next one. Get adequate pain management. This is hugely important. Pain management, well, no. Pain can affect your milk ejection reflex, that is your letdown reflex. 
as well as the fact that pain just makes you feel cruddy, all right? So managing pain is hugely important. There are a lot of sources for your pain after the cesarean. Uh, You certainly have incisional pain. We all got that. But you also have uterine after pains. And those after pains or cramps are more intense when you nurse the baby. All right. So putting off the the med is not a good idea. Uh, Try to always have that pain under control. Now, here's another one. A lot of times what I've seen is that women have pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed. Probably the worst I've ever seen is somebody who has pushed for more than four hours. Now, frankly, I think that's just totally out of bounds. But uh, these women tend to have really sore bottoms. They might have horrible hemorrhoids. And by the way, sometimes doctors will say, oh, well, hemorrhoids just itch. They don't hurt. Well, I got news. (laughs) Some of them hurt. So it could be incisional pain. It could be uh, the after pains or cramps. It could be your bottom. It could be an episiotomy. And you're thinking, well, no, Marie, if you delivered the baby by section, then why would you have an episiotomy? Well, I have seen situations where a mother has delivered the first twin vaginally, but for whatever reason, she could not deliver the second twin, and so she ended up with an episiotomy. Uh, 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 well, she, yeah, so she had the, the episiotomy with the first baby, couldn't get the second baby out, so they did a cesarean. So there's a lot of places here that you can hurt. Trust me. And that doesn't count gas pain. I have seen women, men too for that matter, uh, but I've seen women who have gas pain so bad that they tell me that it's worse than the incisional pain. Um, I don't know. I've never had that, but I just know that a lot of people have said that. If people complain to me about gas or gas pain, the first thing that I do is get them up and march them out of bed and walking. Now, I want to go back to what I said a few minutes ago. Don't overdo it. All right. But a lot of times walking will relieve that gas pain better than a painkiller. And the gas just goes out the other end, and life is better, okay? But there's a lot of places you can hurt, trust me. All right, so then that brings us to painkillers. In my experience, mothers always want to put off the painkiller or not have the painkiller because they're fearful of it, and I definitely want to bust this myth, all right? Do not be fearful that the pain medication will have a bad effect on the baby. As renowned breastfeeding expert, pediatrician, neonatologist, and my good friend, Dr. Ruth Lawrence says, I quote, the breast is not a sieve. All right. You don't just like pour the pain medication into the breast and then have it squirt out the nipple. It just doesn't work that way. But very little, honestly, um, very little of the most medications actually go through the milk anyway. That's another whole show, all right? But uh, I've, I've worked in several hospitals. I've worked with several doctors. 
I, and honestly, I just can't remember any doctor who has prescribed a pain medication for a cesarean section that is known to adversely affect the breastfeeding infant. In fact, they don't even give a bad-for-you drug, a bad-for-the-baby drug, to a formula-feeding mother, all right? They're really very conscientious about that. Now, I'm not trying to practice medicine here. I'm not giving you advice. I'm just giving you information, and you certainly should check with your doctor, and you definitely should make sure that he knows you're breastfeeding. But honestly, uh, they've really come a long ways these days with having a very clear understanding of what does or does not adversely affect the baby. And I can just tell you that if your doctor is aware that you're breastfeeding and if you take the dose as prescribed, I don't think you have very much to worry about in terms of it hurting the baby. What I do think you have to worry about is if you have too much pain, you will not get moving, you will not position yourself well, you won't enjoy breastfeeding, you'll dread it probably, and you just really got to look at how do you get to the point where you can have enough medication so that you kind of feel human, all right? Other people worry about getting addicted. Um, Honestly, the worst of your pain will probably be in the first few days. Uh, I can't say I've ever followed a woman every day for the first 30 days or anything like that. But I will just tell you that in the old days when we kept women for seven days in the hospital, um, their pain, they got so they really didn't ask for pain medicine at all. So... I don't think you need to worry about those first couple of days as something that's addictive. I think you need to worry about how is it going to affect you in general if you just feel miserable, all right? Because most definitely, uh, we saw this as early as I think the 1950s. It was the work of, um, oh, I'm sorry, her name is escaping me right now. Um, Niles Newton, Dr. Niles Newton showed that when people have pain, it affects their uh, milk ejection reflex. So just just saying, okay? Hey, look at everybody. We got to go. Uh, I will be back in the fourth quarter and we'll wrap up these 10 tips. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash good donor. 
Do you need breastfeeding training for your hospital staff? Maybe you need to offer all 15 sessions to meet the baby-friendly requirements. Or perhaps you need just a few sessions. Check out Marie's new course, Best Practices for Breastfeeding Management. It's perfect for improving your exclusive breastfeeding rates and helping staff earn contact hours. You know Marie will focus on the clinical outcomes, not just the training process. Marie's course offers the ultimate in flexibility and convenience. It's online 24-7 so staff can study at their own pace. You can use the course for all of your staff or just your newly hired staff. And Marie offers a tracking report so you can tell who has started or finished. Best of all, staff can print out their own certificate when they finish. Don't waste another minute trying to develop your own course. Trust America's leading breastfeeding educator to provide staff training that works. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894. 703-787-9894. And ask for your bulk discount. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. Thank you so much for joining me on Born to be Breastfed, where every week we bust the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding. All right, so we're on like tip number seven or something or other. Uh, Here I want to talk about positions for breastfeeding, and I also want to talk about just positioning in general. All right, so let me talk about positioning in general, and then I will back up and talk about uh, positions that I think work better. All right, first of all, if you are going to be coughing, which you probably will, I mean, not like not like coughing like when you have a virus or something, but after, it, it especially if you have a general anesthesia. If you have epidural anesthesia, probably not. But uh, if you have a general anesthesia, you might find that you are coughing. If so, you're going to want to get a pillow to splint your wound. You kind of take the pillow, you hold it in front of you, and you just kind of press lightly, and then you can do your coughing. All right, a pillow under your knees. I swear that this is like the biggest, best kept secret in the whole world. We, you know, honestly, we probably all should be doing that, uh, whether we're pregnant or breastfeeding or anything else, but or whether we've had surgery or not. But get a pillow under your knees. Now, I don't know about where you are, but every hospital that I've ever worked, just finding the pillow is kind of a big whoopee deal. So it, it wouldn't be a bad idea to bring a pillow from home. Specifically for one that goes under your knees, if you can have one of those, they call them bolster pillows. I actually have one that's kind of a knockoff, but uh, they're firmer. What this does is it reduces the pressure on your belly. And it's also just generally good for your back. So I would put, in fact, I like do this religiously. If I've got somebody that's had surgery, I put the pillow under their knees, uh, presuming they're on their back. But how about if you are on your side, which I'm going to talk about in a minute, is a good place to be breastfeeding your baby. 
All right. Then put the pillow between your knees. Number one, it feels nice. It keeps your knees from knocking together, you know. But also it helps you it helps you to not roll forward. Even if you try to roll forward, I think you would find it very difficult because you've got that pillow between your knees. So there's another little tip. Now, consider, it kind of depends on how big you are, but if you're kind of a big gal and if you have kind of a big saggy belly because, oh, by the way, you've just been pregnant, uh, what you might want to do there is consider like a, a rolled up towel or some other little rolled up cloth of some kind and you kind of put it between the bed and your your belly and that's a great way. Now you're on your side, okay? Uh, that's a great way to kind of cushion that sagging belly, especially if you tend to be carrying a little extra weight. Uh, trust me, I'm not pregnant and I'm carrying a little extra weight, so I sympathize with you if that's your story. All right, so this kind of brings me to once you get yourself situated in the bed, then you got to get the baby situated to, you know, get in a better position. I don't know what to tell you. Every woman is a little different. It kind of depends on how big is the baby, how big are your breasts, how bad is your incision, and how, how, like, worried do you get about the baby kicking you it also depends on how long your arms are so you might have to do a little experimentation here because everybody is a little bit different you got to find what works for you but in general i if i have a mother who has had a cesarean the first suggestion i make to her is either the the laid-back nursing Biological nurturing, like Suzanne Colson talked to us about a few weeks ago, which, by the way, would be fabulous, all right, because then you're only about 20 degrees, well, your head is up about 20 degrees, and in a hospital, this works really well because the nurse can roll the bed up that much. Uh, so that would be probably one of my first choices because babies tend to do so well with that. The other first choice that I would have Say, Marie, how can you have two first choices? Well, I kind of do. The other one might be the football hold. Now, here's the thing, though. Football hold is good because then the baby's feet are sort of going towards the back of the bed or the back of the chair, depending on if you're sitting in the bed or sitting in the uh, chair. And that's all well and good, but Here's kind of a downside is that sometimes the baby's feet will find the back of the bed or the back of the chair. Then they just kind of push with their feet and they push away from the breast. So, I don't know. I would say at the very least, this might be a good way to get the baby latched on. Typically, what happens is that once the baby is actually getting some milk, what happens is that he relaxes. So, sometimes... Even if that wasn't super great for the whole thing, it might be good for just getting them on. It's really up to you. Now, I'm going to tell you that sometimes sideline position works well for women who have had cesareans. I've done this hundreds of times. I know that it's not necessarily popular, but I find it works pretty well. Uh, So you can try that as well. The, uh, the ticket with all of this, though, is you've got to make sure that the baby is positioned tummy to tummy, 
whether he is football or sideline or or laid, laid back or whatever. This is my most unfavorite. I said unfavorite for a cesarean and actually for vaginally delivered too is uh, the cradle hold. I think cradle hold is really great for babies that are older, like more than a month. I think it's not so good for babies that are newborns in those first few days or for a few weeks. That's not the song you would have heard me singing 10 years ago, but believe me, I've come I've come to kind of figure that out. Okay, so now I got to really speed along, uh, which is tip number eight. Make sure that the baby nurses early and often, early and often, early and often. I say this like a gajillion times on this show, but it's so terribly important. Be sure that you check the hospital policies before you go to the hospital because a lot of times this doesn't happen. Either, and, and the other thing is, it happens more likely if you are rooming in, which would be really good with your baby. But anyway, skin to skin contact at the very least you need. Whether the baby suckles, I'm less concerned with whether the baby suckles, but absolutely want to make sure that that baby uh, gets skin to skin while you're there. Number nine, report worrisome symptoms. And this can be anything. It could be you develop a fever. That's a worrisome sign. Uh, contact your healthcare provider promptly. You might still have sore nipples after, you know, to me, nipples, they're sore after two or three days. You know, that's not normal. Get professional help. Uh, anything that might be an infection in your incision, an infection in your breast, any of that stuff, uh, definitely anything that worries you is worth a call to your doctor. And finally, number 10, and I'm I'm just going to say, be sure to ask about odd issues. For example, this is just an odd one, but I get it kind of frequently is, my baby has green poop. Why is that happening? Well, it might be because uh, antibiotics sometimes, if the mother is taking the antibiotic, the baby uh, might have gotten a a little bit of that. Some babies are more sensitive than others, and they do tend to have these green stools. And that might be... Just one of those oddball things. But anything odd that you're worried about, ask about it. It'll put your mind at ease. So those are my 10 tips, and I've talked as fast as I possibly can. But thank you, thank you, thank you so much. I would like to tell you that I'm glad you were here. That's all the time that we have today. Uh, So I'd like to invite you back for uh, next week. And in the meanwhile, I would like to tell you that if you, you definitely should visit our Facebook For either Born to be Breastfed, visit my Facebook for my professional site, that's Breastfeeding Outlook, and visit my website as well, and I promise I will see you next week. I'm Marie Biancuto. I promise I'll help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed, and you're the only one that can do it. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuso next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby. 